Welcome to the Mind Your Autistic Brain podcast. Today, my guest is Miss Katie Soy. She is the master storyteller and crafter of the Firefly series, which is Jim's Island Adventures. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain. And you are about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, what you love, finding your balance, and being the leader and creator of your best life. Get ready because this is where we go against the mainstream. Say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just so excited to chat with you and talk about the stories and this topic. So thank you for having me. I was so thrilled when I heard about your book. You were a guest on Brandon Lucero's podcast and I heard him talking about your books and he was like, it's like listening to a big movie and we're in the car and my kids are loving it. And I'm like, I've got to go get this. I downloaded it. I listened to it. I mean, it is spectacular. But aside from just the production and the music and the way you tell the story, it's the message in the story. So Katie, share a little bit about book one in the Firefly series and your beautiful character, Jim the Firefly. Yes. Oh my gosh. My favorite thing to talk about. Thank you. Yeah. So that, um, I, that podcast came out a while ago and I was so glad that we connected from that. Um, so this story, so it's a children's series, first of all, and I soft launched them. I soft launched two books in 2021 this year um, as audiobooks just on my website. So not traditional channels. Um, I just wanted to get them out the easiest, quickest way that I could. I wanted to be, you know, done, not perfect. And I didn't know yet uh, about the proof of concept. And I just kind of wanted to just get them out there to like my friends. And I was like, all right, 20 minute audiobook. You can put it on the you know, on your phone in the car, listen to it with your kids. And I had a friend of mine do like a little musical soundtrack because it's about a it's about a little firefly who lives on a tropical island far, far away. So it's kind of about like some jungle sounds and music. So it is a little bit of like an audio experience. And what I wasn't expecting was the response and um, friends of friends sharing and parents connecting and parents asking for more and kids wanting to listen to it over and over again. I had no idea. Um, so the journey has, has come a little bit farther now, but it's about a little firefly named Jim, who is an orphan. So she starts out the story, she's an orphan, and she's adopted by two parents who are grasshoppers on this island. They live in a community of grasshoppers. And these grasshoppers, um, there's a very short line, but they can't have their own family. So they're very excited to become mom and dad to little Jim. But as you can imagine, if you're a firefly and you're growing up in a grasshopper community, um, you might kind of feel a little bit like an outsider. And so Jim grows up very loved by her parents, but very different. She, she starts going to school. The story starts, she goes to school. Her teacher loves her, also a grasshopper, but all of her grasshopper classmates are teasing her. They're bullying her. They're not speaking to her. They think she's weird. She's heartbroken. And so it's a 20 minute little story about her trying to change her light, dim her light, cover up her light, eventually try to shut off her light and um, really not be who she is. And her parents end up you know, helping her meet this 
this older, wiser grandmother grasshopper who has lived and traveled to other islands, and she's seen fireflies before, and she helps her kind of come into her own. And at the end, Jem has to decide who she wants to be. And she actually has to rescue her classmates who are caught in this horrible dark storm where, guess what, you kind of need light <laughs> to get home. So not only does she have to be herself, spoiler alert for all the parents listening, but she has to be the brightest version of herself that she can be in order to save their lives and get them home in the wind and the rain. So it's a little 20 minute story with sort of all of these big concepts about being yourself and standing out and being different and kindness. There's lessons on kindness and love and self-love and self-talk. So it kind of packs a lot of these big themes into a very short audio story. Well, I'll just tell you from the autistic perspective, it is a phenomenal story. And when you talk about being power packed in that 20 minutes, it truly is. I have listened to it so many times. And each time I learn and hear and experience something new in that same story. And what I love is that from an autistic perspective, especially in late identified life, one of the biggest topics that we talk about, and you guys listening, you guys know this, and you're, you're unveilers in the Minder Autistic Brain community, you guys are, we know this is a big topic, and it's unmasking and camouflaging in our life. And I love it because in one of the segments, it's talking about how Jim takes some dark mud and she's covering up her light. And so that's essentially to me, I was like, oh, she's trying to mask to fit in so people aren't picking on her and, and she's not different. But what I love is that the mud falls away and her light shines through and there's no way to really cover up what's meant to be part of you. And I thought it was so powerful. I loved it. Um, thank you. I. I think so many of us um, have felt that feeling of like, I just need to fit in. Like my life would be so much easier if I just fit in. And I know um, that the folks in your community, again, thank you for having me here and joining you all in this, this amazing corner of the world, the internet. Um, I know that they can relate to that. And I think that it's something that, um, you know, as a kid, you feel it. You don't necessarily know what you're doing. Like you feel like these feelings of like, they're judging me, but you don't know they're judging you. Like you can't articulate it. And so, I remember, you know, times in my life where I was like, if I was just normal, it would be, it, like my life would be so much easier at school. <laughs> and so it's, you know, trying to, you know, again, these short scenes and I have to pack a lot into short amount of time. So it definitely has stretched my ability as a writer because <laughs> um, there's so much you could say about that, but she tries to cover it up. And I mean, her light shines through the mud and it's even worse. And then she's made fun of because they can see her light shining through and she's made up for trying, you know, made fun of her trying to hide who she is, but um, I think we can all relate to the pain that she feels in that moment of trying to mask and 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 not be yourself in order to make a compromise and a sacrifice to fit in with those around us. Oh, 100%. And I love your character, Master Crew. Now, because I know you, and I know you're a huge Indiana Jones fan, when you say she's got the brown fedora, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the Indie. <laughs> And I, I think mean, this is the first time anybody has mentioned that to me on a podcast. I've never, yes, that is why. Well, and it's hard because I'm dealing with all like, like grasshopper characters and um, I have an amazing illustrator who is magic herself, 
but um, trying to differentiate, like I'm not, I'm not Disney Pixar, you know, and so I have to differentiate between these characters, and I needed a description that would work in an illustration, or if you were reading it, that makes Master Crew different than the other grasshoppers. So, in the books, like the mom and dad grasshopper, they're they're always like together. So if you see the two of them, it's mom and dad. The teacher is usually, you know, by herself and kind of taller than the class. And then Master Crew, she has like a like a gray bun and she has her hat. And there's an illustration where she, it's a grasshopper with a hat on. And it's 100% inspired by Indiana Jones. And that also, the rest of the series goes into it more because she's traveled. In the first book, she's like lived on other islands. And she's, you know, there's a very small community in this little island. Nobody knows what a firefly is. Well, Master Crew has traveled and gone to school and she actually gives Jam like her old notebooks and maps those come into the story later for future episodes or for or future audiobooks and stories where Jem was trying to sail to other islands she ends up meeting other characters who are different and she finds notes from Master Crew on ladybugs and chameleons and things that other people in her community have not seen so by the end of the several books that I have in my head Jem is bringing in all these eclectic, diverse group of friends to her little community, and it's no longer just her being the outsider. Now she's got like a group of outsiders who are really the new kids, who are who are the ones going, you know, this is who we are. But her like the books and the notes from Master Crew's, you know, Indiana Jones style adventure are setting the scene for other books and other stories. Oh, and I just love that because in the second book you talk about and refer to the hat and the compass and the journals from Master Crew. And I was like, I was so excited. I love how you thread it through. But in this first book, there is a quote that Master Crew gives to Jim that I think is just so powerful. And it's, when you say mean things about your light, you are saying mean things about yourself. That's self-abuse. And uh, when I heard it, I mean, I honestly started to cry because it's, it's one of the things that especially, I think all of humanity struggles with that, but it's something that's really powerful and really prevalent in that internal, that mean internal self-abusive monologue that we have as late identified autistics because we didn't know for decades and we struggled for so long going, I'm so weird. I'm so different. I'm trying to fit in, but I do everything exactly the way I see everybody else doing it, but I'm still weird somehow. People still notice that, you know, my light's different. And it was just such a powerful quote. And it's one that I have just gone back to over and over again. I have, I made little note cards of quotes from your book and I have them all up around my desk. <laughs> and when I read them, they just they spark such joy and they remind me of what's so important about being different. And Katie, I would really love to know, because you've kind of touched on this and you've referred to it, but growing up, did you feel like you were different? Is that, you know, because you write from such an authentic place, like it feels like you've experienced this yourself. Um, first, I just want to, say I didn't know that there was an adult in the world who had notes from my children's book on her desk. <laughs> I never would have imagined I never would have imagined that the book would speak to adults. And this is why you have to test things and get them out imperfectly because you learn things along the way that you had no idea. So I just want to say that just made me tear up. I want to say thank you for sharing. Um, the self-abuse quote, somebody asked me, they're like, you're gonna talk about self-abuse for like five-year-olds? And I said, absolutely. I'm not a mom yet but I'm an auntie and I grew up in a huge family and I'm like an adopted auntie to many of my friends' kids. 
And I said, these kids feel what we feel. They just don't have the words. So I said, I'm absolutely not going to skip over big emotions, big topics. We can just define the words. We just tell them what it means, but I'm going to treat them like adults. I'm going to treat them like these are their topics of mental health in book two. There's anxiety. There's panic attacks in book two. There's self-abuse in book one. There's other stuff coming um, that I'm like, I'm not going to treat them like they don't get it because they do. They just don't have the words yet. So I will absolutely always be the space where the kids can go, oh, we are going to talk about this with with Katie, with Auntie Katie, because, you know, we might not know what it's called, but they're feeling it. And so a lot of the guided meditation resources in my community that are based on the themes from the books and the stories cover things like that. And they go deeper into how do we talk kindly to ourselves when we're having a bad day, a good day. And then what does that mean? Kindness to ourselves, kindness to others. How do I talk kindly to somebody else who's having a bad day? How do I not judge, even though they don't know the words that they're judging, right? So I wanted to just jump in there and make that note. Um, so back to your question. You're like, that's not my, that wasn't my question. Um, <laughs> I, oh no, you're in the right space for this. This is, okay. this is how we do it over here in this world. <laughs> okay. <Throw it. laughs> the listeners are like, where is she going? Um, nah, we're all with you. So, okay, good. I'm in the good, I'm in a good spot. I'm in a, a good corner of the internet. Um, I can feel that for sure. I, I feel it so strongly. Um, first I want to say, I can't imagine, and I don't want to act like I can imagine the pain of what you described with your journey and the journey that I know so many of your community have gone through as well. But I want to say I, I can't imagine that and I, I have so much respect and um, awe of the courage that you guys have, that you've had to, you know, exhibit in your life. And I just want to say it's so inspiring. Um, that said, growing up, I did feel like an outsider. Um, I grew up, so I'm adopted, which is why the little fireflies adopted. And I remember growing up and this was like my first like memory of feeling different. No kid under 10 years old knows what being adopted means. <laughs> So this is when I first started over explaining myself, which is a habit that continued into my adulthood that many of you might be able to relate to. And people were like, what does that mean? And I was like, that means I'm adopted. I don't know. And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it means I didn't come from my mom's tummy. Like I was trying to explain it. And they were like, so where'd you come from? And I remember being like, you know, and then this is why I identify with Superman as my favorite DC superhero. Cause I was like, maybe I just, I don't know. And so, Somebody showed up and dropped me off. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. So I said, well, I came from another mom's tummy and they're like, oh, so she didn't want you. And I was like, and I'm telling you, kids don't know. They're just asking. Right. They don't know. And so as a kid, I remember going, you know, as a kid, I grew up with a very positive adoption story. I was, I went home from the hospital with my parents, private adoption. I grew up from the beginning, knowing I was adopted, you know, writing letters to my biological mom. We've met, she's been to my wedding. We're in touch. Like it's a very positive situation. But when you're a kid and you're being asked those questions, she didn't want you. Why not? Why didn't she want you? And it was like, no, it's not that she didn't want me. She didn't want me. And I was like reciting what my parents told me. You know, she wanted me enough that she couldn't take care of me, wanted me to have a life that was, you know, better. So, so this is, you know, so why can't your parents have kids? Like, why, like, why did you come from your mom's tummy? Like little kids don't understand. <laughs> and so I remember just explaining, explaining, explaining. And um, I actually got in trouble a couple times because... I would be like, I would get annoyed and they wouldn't get it. And so I'd be like, you know, your parents were stuck with you. Like you, like they had you and they were stuck with you. I'm chosen. It was horrible. I had a horrible, horrible way to react. <laughs> Not defending but, that at you all. You know, I, I could totally get it. I could totally get it. Because there's so many times people are like, oh, you're autistic? I've known you your whole life. You're not autistic. And it's just like, oh, really? Okay. Right. And you, just, you get to this point where you're just like, 
Okay, whatever. <laughs> How do you know? You don't know anything, right? It's just, yeah. So that's, I remember being a kid and my parents were like, Katie, you cannot say that. And I was like, but it's true. They're not chosen. They're not adopted. They're so that was the first time that I felt like an outsider. So um, this really lends itself well to my story because that's the, you know, the whole story for Jem. Um, but I also grew up, I started writing books at 10. I wrote my first book in a spiral bound notebook at 10. And I remember bringing it to my parents and they loved it. They were in shock because it had like title page, dedication page, table of contents like written in pencil. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. And they were like, what is this? And I remember being like, well, this is like what's in, in what's been in my head. And they were like, this is fascinating. We're so proud of you. But at 10 years old, no, none of my friends, and even some of my family didn't get it. And I could just go off and listen to music and like make up worlds in my head. And I loved musicals. Like I was obsessed. I grew up on old classic musicals, like old, old musicals. And I would go and talk to kids at school or at church and they'd be like, what movie? I remember being like 11 or 12 and somebody was like, you know that musicals aren't real, right? And I was just like, but, but at my house we break into song and like, of course it could be real. And it was almost like Santa's, like the whole Santa conversation. I won't say it out loud. Um, and so I guess we have little listeners. And so I was like, wait, what? And I was like, the world was so magical in my head and not in real life. And I started understanding at like 12, 13, that the way that I processed and the way that I could make things up wasn't normal. And I would be so out of it, like out of touch with reality. And my characters were so real. And I would get so stressed out about characters in books and movies. And like all my imaginary friends growing up were book characters. I didn't have like imaginary friends. I had like Anne of Green Gables and like the girls from like Little Women. And so I started realizing that wasn't quote unquote normal, what is normal. And I was like, okay, I have to not talk about what's in my head or what's in my heart because people are gonna not get it. And I just need to, you know, be quiet about my imagination and all of that. And so then I started operating in this, like let's go super logical analytical as opposed to creative and daydreaming because that's what will make sense to the world. That's a long answer. No, it's the perfect answer because it's yours. And I think there are so many people listening that have just truly related to what you've said because, you know, there's so many of us, we've had these conversations and I'm like you, I, I was writing from an early age. I am very visual. I'm a huge visual thinker. So when I read a book, I immediately see in my head the characters and the settings and they're real to me. And I love musicals and breaking out in song is so part of my world. <laughs> Just like, that's a big thing. But I, I love that. And I love that you've taken this and this, you've gone full circle, basically. You started with the creativity and the imagination and, and the music and your heart and your soul. And that was part of just the way you were living. And then the world starts to invade and you start to feel other and different. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I need to be more analytical. Maybe I need to be more this, you know, this is gonna, people will understand this maybe. And then you're like, you get to this point where you're like, you know, that's not me and I'm not living in alignment and I don't feel my authentic self. And you've come full circle and now you're creating these spectacular books that if you didn't shed the mud and you didn't let your little light shine, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now, which is truly one of the most beautiful gifts. 
you do not have to be a child for these books, guys. I am 100% telling you, I am 47 and these are like one of my favorites. They're on my little download where I go and listen to these. I even do this. I even listen to these on my run sometimes. <laughs> the second one is so spectacular. But Katie, I would like to know a little bit about what your big why was for creating the Firefly series for Jim's Island Adventures. What was the why behind this? Yeah, let me talk a little bit about the structure of the stories to, to answer that question. So book one, so each story has a theme and I would say, you know, there's like the, the plot, which is which is 3D or physical. And then there's like a deeper theme, which to me is more um, spiritual or maybe mindset focused. And so each story, like the first one's really about being yourself, shining your light. The second one is really a story about mental health. Um, it's a story about a butterfly who is so scared and so afraid that she's literally dragging her wings behind her. She can't fly. Um, there's upcoming stories about perfectionism for kids and failure. Um, there's upcoming stories um, about what it means when we take on guilt and shame for things that have happened with our family and we blame ourselves. So each one has like a theme. There's one coming up that I can't wait to write that is about a bucket list. And she ends up finding Master Crew's bucket list of things to do before you transition or pass away. And yes, it's a deep topic for kids, <laughs> but she starts like making this list of things she wants to do for her life. And there's one coming up on, you know, this, uh, she needs a bee. And the bee character works in a hive because everybody in the family works in a hive and the bee has to go into the family business, but the bee wants to be an artist. <laughs> and so there's each story kind of has these different themes. So to answer your question on the why, if I, I'm not going to say this in a concise way, um, my, it's too big in my heart to be concise. <laughs> um, I want kids who feel deeply and maybe feel like outsiders, um, maybe struggle with things like anxiety or depression or other, other things when they're little. I want them to know that it is okay. And I want them to know that not only is it okay, but the world needs them to be exactly who they are. And that we need that. Not We just can't have them like surviving. We need them thriving because we need their gifts. And I want them to feel that they can, they can be feeling all these things and they can be going through these things that they're feeling, you know, whoever they are. But that there are tools, first of all, that they can use to help and that they have to be exactly themselves because that's what we need. And I don't want anybody, I, I don't want kids to get to teenager or college age and go, I'm crazy, I'm depressed, I shouldn't be here, maybe the world is better off without me. I don't want anybody to get to that phase. I'm trying, the, the why is I wanna to get to them before they get to any of those thoughts that I have dealt with. I know you've shared some of your story with me as well um, because I want them to know that they have to be themselves and that there's tools and there's support and there's community to help them be themselves, um, but they need to not change and um, they need to just love themselves and love others. And so we can actually have them make the impact that they're, that they're here to make. I love that. That is so powerful. I mean, that why is tremendous. That's part of the big why for why I created my autistic brain is because we do beat ourselves up. We are so hard on ourselves. And I love that you're having authentic and big conversations early on. That would have been life-changing for me as an autistic, unidentified child, because mm -hmm. I needed someone to speak directly to me. I didn't need them to allude to things. I didn't need them to skirt things or beat around the bush. 
I had my first autistic burnout at age six, and I was sitting in my girl's school uniform on my bed after school one day. We had eaten dinner, and I was in tears. I was inconsolable. And my mom came in, and she said, baby, what's wrong? And I said, mama, I want to die. And there is absolutely nothing worse than not knowing why you feel that way and not being able to identify the feelings behind that or to explain it. And even worse, because as a mom, I've also been on the other side of that when my child has felt that way. And I just, it's heart wrenching because you know what that feels like. You know, for most of us, we have experienced that. And when our children reflect that and they they tell us that it just it guts you because you don't want that to happen and so having these conversations and what you're doing katie is really really important and that you're not skirting it or sugarcoating it or dumbing it down or doing any of those things you're saying hey we got to really talk about these things and this is a way to do it and i love that you do it through story and how you do it your character, the butterfly Zuri in your book too. I love this because one of the first things she says is, I can't fly, I'm broken. Oh boy, I mean, that is so powerful because I think we can all just look at that and go, man, I felt that way. Everyone has felt that way at some point. But the way that you do this and you know the way that you incorporate it and you tell the story and one of the things that you, that one of the quotes from Master Crew in this one I love, and one of the dream flashbacks is, if your thought, if your thoughts and feelings are too heavy, you cannot fly. And when we talk about in the autistic community having these really big, you know, because one of the biggest misconceptions that is in the, you know general population is that autistic people lack empathy, which is so not true. It is one of the biggest myths that's out there that's still being discussed and that people still believe. Thank you, media. We're working on it, but we actually experience emotions very deeply, very strongly in really big emotions. And when you're younger and you don't know, and if you have alexithymia, which is something I have, and you have difficulty assigning words to emotions or identifying what those emotions feel like in your body, because we feel emotions physically first, and that's in our body, that's the physical experience of it. And then it translates into our mind where we're then assigning a name or a term to it. And what I love about your books, Katie, is that you're creating a vernacular for children and honey, you're creating a vernacular for this grown woman over here too, <laughs> which is really spectacular because when you can start to connect with your body and Katie has some amazing meditations and guys, she has so generously shared a link for one of her meditations that she has that's part of the Firefly community society and it's helping you with gratitude. So we're going to share that and it's coming out in, in this wonderful bonus that we have for the for the Mind Your Autistic Brain community. So thank you so much for sharing that, Katie. But you talk about this in book two, and I love it. I really do, because what has it been on your journey with learning to identify your emotions? And the second part of this question, Katie, is how has that helped you as a writer? 
Oh my gosh, there's so much that I want to say. The first thing that I have to say um, to be in integrity is that I have permission to use that quote in book two. That was the theme for book two. So it's amazing that you pulled that out. That's why I wrote book two. And that is a quote that was from one of my mentor's mentors that I got permission to use. And um, <clears throat> I will just say that there's a little something coming with the books next year, but with book two, there might be a dedication note, a little love note to that mentor um, that will identify for that quote because that was truly what it's about. When I first heard that quote, I thought, how many times in my life have my thoughts and feelings been so heavy that I have not been able to fly? And that's when I started learning about emotional fluency and mental health stuff that actually worked. And I say that because there's a lot of stuff out in the mental health community and resources. To me, a lot of it was noise. And I actually, it took me years to find strategies that, that worked for myself. And on that journey, I struggled with, with anxiety and depression um, that, that was really, I mean, just felt like chains on me. And there were times when I was depressed where the way that it manifested for me is I would not want to go outside. I would close all the windows in my house. I would not want to let the light in. And I just, the thought of walking to the mailbox was like impossible. Um, so I wouldn't work out. I wouldn't go for walks. I would just, I would just be like, not able to move. That was like the combination of the, of the depression, anxiety at its worst. And so what's funny is things like walking and movement and breathing and connecting to other people are the things that will get you out of that state, but it's the last thing that your brain wants to do when you're in it. So I was trying to bring resources to kids in this story that if they feel like they can't fly, um, if they feel emotionally heavy, um, that, that will help them get out of it. So in this book, there's, there's literally breath work, there's kind of a meditation <laughs> and it's all disguised in the story um, to help kind of with those feelings. And so for me, that's a big part of my journey um, with understanding my emotions was giving myself grace. Like if I'm depressed, what is it showing me? Like I started looking at my depression and anxiety as gifts before they started really healing. And I, I truly don't deal with it very much anymore. Um, it's been about three years. 2018 was when I sort of found the tools that to me were were useful and found communities where I was like, okay, this is what's going to work for me. Um, because leaning in and saying, oh, my depression's okay. It was okay. But telling myself that didn't help me get out of that state. I needed to accept it, but also it, the intention to move it. So it's not like, oh, it's okay. Like let's normalize depression. Yes, let's normalize it. But also for me, I want the intention to move it. So every story with the kids is how do we identify it? Say it's normal. It's okay. But the intention to move it. So even in book one, you have Jen learning how to, you know, you know, feeling your thoughts are okay, feeling your feelings is okay, but you're not your thoughts, you're not your feelings. You get to choose. You are the creator of your life. So I don't want to say it's toxic positivity because we are identifying actual stuff and big, big scary terms, but it is, there always, there's always a focus of intention and moving through it and tools. And I really bring the tools in the community, the membership is where we have our artists come in and teach classes, breathwork ex experts come in, I had a yoga teacher come in. Um, we had a, a kids hypnosis session last week to give them tools, yeah, to really introduce them. So my own journey was depression and anxiety from, from my teenage years. I would say that culminated in 2011 when I um, had suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideations. I never attempted I have friends who have, and I just kind of connected with my close friend group deeper than I ever have. And over the next 10, you know, again, from 2011 to 2018, it was navigating that journey. And I remember feeling like it wasn't me being depressed, dealing with anger. I had a lot of anger to deal with. I'm not afraid to raise my hand. And as a woman dealing with anger, let me tell you, you are just judged. 
And so I had to deal with releasing all of that. And um, I'm truly blessed now where I have the tools where if I'm feeling angry or depressed or anxious, I give myself grace with the emotions. I say, what is this? What is the gift of my anxiety? I think the book, The Wisdom, Wisdom of My Anxiety, was one I read like five years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're gifts. They're actually superpowers. For those of us who can tune in and learn how to tune in, which can be a challenge for sure. But once we do, they're superpowers to go, my, my, my values are off. My integrity is being challenged. My boundaries are being, are being, you know, fired off by people who aren't respecting them. And so now it's a process of identify, you know, try to identify, give myself grace and space, grace and space, grace and space all day to deal with it. And then communicate the new boundary or give myself what I need. And that typically I might, you know, I might have a down day or a down couple days, but never like the paralyzing grip of, of, um, of the depression I used to experience. And 2017 was my record year for panic attacks. I had 10. Um, I haven't had those since 2019. My last panic attack was February of 2019. So coming up on three years. Um, and that quote about being heavy, I just remember feeling for so much of my life, I can't, I can't be myself because this stuff is weighing me down. It isn't even me. And if I could just get this stuff out, I feel like I could go figure it out. And so that has truly been how it's affected my writing because I put the writing aside. I was like, oh, I can't be a writer. That can't, that can't be my way of living. You know, writers don't make money. All these stories, stories, stories. Um, and in reality, that could not be further from the truth. And so again, leaning into that, what do I need? I need to be functioning as a creative, not in the logical, analytical, even as an entrepreneur, like I need to be creative. <laughs> so another long answer. Um, no, that is so wonderful. And I, I, I loved it because I recognized several things in this that just really spoke to my heart, you know, where you are, where your attention is. <laughs> Because I think you and I have very similar mentors in our lives. Um, but one of the things that I really loved was how you talk about honoring your feelings. You must not avoid your feelings. You must know it's safe to feel your feelings was one of the things that Master Crew shared. And I just, oh, that, you know, that is such a huge thing because we live our lives thinking, we have to suppress anything that's not like the quote unquote good feeling, right? And so we then, by doing that, do not give ourselves the pathway to experience it, to embrace it, to look for the opportunity in it. You know, because one of the things that, that I, I always am sharing in the autistic community in Mind Your Autistic Brain is contrast creates clarity. Wherever you're feeling resistance, wherever you're feeling push back or wherever you're feeling like you're walking in wet sand and it's just kind of hard or it just feels really crummy or just somewhere it doesn't feel like what's happening on the outside is is matching up to the inside and you, you're lacking that alignment and integrity of of yourself that's the most beautiful thing in your life that's the opportunity because if you didn't have that resistance you wouldn't pay attention to it you wouldn't get the clarity from it to start making different choices or to shift your attention, which I love you also talk about. Yeah, I think um, I totally agree. And I think that's why, you know, I don't want to say I struggled. I don't want to take on that story, but I have worked intentionally 
at making sure that these books are not about toxic positivity. But again, at the same time, for me as a human, if I'd known that I could feel my feelings as a teenager, that would have been helpful. But if I'd been told I could just wallow in them for months and months, that would not have been helpful. And so I needed tools not to avoid, but I needed tools to identify and sink in, lean in for the purpose of releasing or making a new choice to go forward. That is how I operate. So a lot of the stuff that I had been introduced to prior to kind of 2018 where my mental health journey changed was more like, it's okay to be this way. It's okay to be different. And it is, but I need, I need to move out of that. I need to be moving through very finding Dory, finding Nemo style. Like you go through it, not over it. Right. My favorite line from that movie, through it, not over it. Try to go over it. You get the jellyfish. <laughs> I love that one. It's <laughs> one of my favorite too. Boy, at the sea of jellyfish. Because Growing up on the Gulf coast, it is not fun. I have been caught yeah. in a nest of jellyfish. You want to <laughs> avoid those little buggers. See what happens when you go over it. You don't go through it. So um, that was my goal was to show the kiddos how to move through it. And then again, in the community, we give them tools. And I know that like hypnosis might not land for a four-year-old, but it, it did land for some seven-year-olds last week. Yoga, the three and four-year-olds loved yoga. The older kids were like, I don't know about this. <laughs> um, and so the goal is to introduce different tools because it's going to be, you know, and so that's, that's really the goal of the community and the books to be parents who are into personal growth for themselves, who want to introduce tools to their kids. And I want to be a resource. I want to be an easy resource for parents to go, not that you guys need it, but for parents to go, I want to have these tough conversations, more abstract concepts. I want to introduce them to my four-year-old. How do I do that? Well, you can't. Well, you can. You can try to lecture your four-year-old, <laughs> but most of us learn better through story than we do through lecture, right? This is why you zone out when you're in college and you're listening to a professor and you don't zone out during a Marvel movie. <laughs> You might be learning the same like lessons that you did in your psychology class in the Marvel movie, but you're not zoning out because it's it's fictional story and our brains are wired for centuries to learn in that way. That's how our history was passed down before we were writing and had records, right? So that's part of the reason why um, why it is told in these short little stories that are packed, but I'm trying to walk that line of identify the feelings, give yourself permission, and then what tool do you want to use to move through? And maybe for you, that tool is you and your kids are going to sit for a day and just and just be with whatever they need. But then the next day, how can we take a step forward? And I love that. I love it because you do give the way out, the next step, the actionable resource, and you give a variety of them. And they're, they're done in such a beautiful way <laughs> through story because we are all wired for story. We are creatures of oral tradition and we love story. That's part of of humanity and I think you are truly one of the greatest master storytellers Katie I mean honestly I read voraciously and I have always been a reader but the way that you have written these books translates across so many different things and encompasses so many different people and communities I mean you're speaking to not just maybe a child that's adopted, but you're speaking to somebody that maybe is of a different color or a different culture. You're speaking to somebody who's a different neurotype. You're speaking to somebody that might have a physical disability. I mean, you are really touching all of these groups and communities through your one beautifully crafted message that has touched my heart and my soul so much. These books that you've written, you may intend them to be for children, but as a parent and just as an adult, 
these books are huge. They really are because they're short, they're packed, they're intriguing. The characters are phenomenal. What you do with it and how you incorporate it is so wonderful. So Katie, as we're wrapping up, if you had one thing that you would want someone to know about Jim's Island Adventures, that if they'd never heard of it, if this is the first time that they have, they've heard of this beautiful series, what is it you want them to know? What is it that they will get from your books? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I want them to know that their kids will get timeless sort of life lessons told through the perspective of a beloved character mixed in with some ancient wisdom <laughs> um, and spiritual tools, like spiritual and mental and emotional tools. But their kids will learn how to be themselves, how to feel their feelings, how to speak in a healthy way, how to truly shine their light. Um, and, you know, in kindness, with kindness to themselves and others and their families, and really just be who they're born to be in a confident and resilient way. Oh, I think that's what we all strive for, Katie. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing your voice and adding it to our conversation and our stories here in Mind Your Autistic Brain. Guys, go check out. She is Miss Katie Soy on Instagram and go dive into Jim's Island Adventures and be sure you check out the Firefly Society community. She has amazing resources. She does a different topic every month. She has phenomenal meditation. They even did an art class with the illustrator from the book. Guys, this was spectacular. So be sure you go and check it out. Thanks so much for being here, Katie. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.